Cresta in the Afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Broadcasting from the studios of Ave Maria Radio in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Al Cresta is ready for conversations of consequence. This is Cresta in the Afternoon. And good afternoon to you. I'm Al Cresta. Glad to be back for another hour. Uh, Last hour, we spent time taking a look at, uh, well, beauty and why we need it. Uh, In the course of that conversation, we talked with uh, John Mark Miravalli about uh, the culture in which we live and why it's important for Catholics to kind of reclaim beauty in a, uh, well, kind of an ugly culture, right? And then we talked about seculosity, uh, David Zoll's term, uh, to cover that hunger for spiritual substitutes for God. Again, focusing on the culture in which we are living, functioning, witnessing. We do a lot of that on this program, you may have noticed. And then this hour, we're going to do something very similar in that we're going to talk to Dr. Greg Popcheck about a new Pew study that indicated that only, well, let's put it this way, say three, a little bit over three in ten uh, Catholic parents uh, care that their kids grow up to be Catholic. And that compares to over seven in ten of evangelical Protestants. What's the reason for that? Okay, we're going to talk with Greg about it. And then we're going to take a look at the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit listed in the prophet Isaiah's uh, teaching uh, with Kevin Vost. But first, let's get to the headlines. Thanks, Alan. Good afternoon, everyone. This is your Ave Maria Radio News for Tuesday, February 28th. It's the Feast of St. Auguste Chapdelaine. Today's news is brought to you by Ave Maria University. Your vocation location is at AveMaria.edu. The Biden administration is confident it can legally cancel $400 billion of student loan debt. 40 million Americans who need a little bit more breathing room, who need an opportunity to get back on their feet uh, coming out of this pandemic. That's what White House Principal Deputy Press Secretary Olivia Dalton told reporters aboard Air Force One. The administration wants to provide borrowers the relief following the financial fallout from the COVID pandemic. She said millions of Americans face default on their loans due to the national emergency. The U.S. Marshal Service says a cyber attack exposed fugitive data and other sensitive information. NBC News correspondent Tom Winter says this was a major breach and included highly sensitive material. Information about U.S. Marshal Service employees and staff and the people that work for the Marshal Service may also be in those files. An official with the agency telling the New York Times the attack didn't compromise any data on the witness protection program. Polls are open in Chicago where the race for mayor is being closely watched. NBC News correspondent Marissa Perez in the Windy City. Early voting turnout is looking around triple the numbers that we that we have seen in the past two municipal elections. Incumbent Lori Lightfoot believes she's the only candidate who could be projected frontrunner Paul Vallis in a runoff in April. All nine candidates were out and about yesterday to convince undecided voters to cast their ballots for them. And today marks 30 years since the raid on the Branch Davidian Ranch in Waco, Texas. In 1993, federal agents engaged in a shootout with the Branch Davidian religious cult. The raid happened as officials believe their leader, David Koresh, was stockpiling weapons and ammo. 
76 men, women, and children died in the siege. From your AveMariaRadio.net news desk, I'm Steve Clark. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. At the top of the hour, I mentioned that there's a recent Pew survey that found that only about a third of parents think it's very or extremely important that their kids grow up to share their religious belief. Another third say it's not important to them at all. Uh, we've talked about this survey before, and it's worth, um, it's worth digging into. Again, Dr. Greg Popcheck is with me. He's the director of the Pastoral Solutions Institute, a group pastoral telecounseling practice that provides Catholic-integrated marriage, family, and individual counseling services to Catholics around the world. He and his wife, Lisa, have authored over 20 books uh, looking at uh, psychology, integrating it with the timeless wisdom of the Catholic faith. And in 2019, the Popchecks, together with Holy Cross Family Ministries, founded the Peyton Institute for Domestic Church Life, an organization dedicated to promoting Catholic family well-being and spirituality through original research, professional training, and development of creative resources. Greg, good to have you here. Good to be here, Al. Thank you. Let's talk about that study. We've mentioned it before, and um, I... You know, there's a point that you made uh, off-air with me, and it has to do with the degree to which evangelical Protestants value uh, their faith relationally compared to Catholics. Uh, Set this up for me. Right. Well, so um, according to uh, developmental psychologist uh, James Fowler, uh, faith evolves in stages. Right. Um, and Fowler's a watershed figure, isn't he? Really, he is. Yeah. So he, he's thought. kind of the guy who, who, along with folks like you, know, Erickson or you know Kohlberg or whatever, yeah. identified different stages of faith development. Yep. Um, from from childhood through late adulthood, actually. Um, and at every stage, people need different, if you will, spiritual food to nourish their faith. Um, and you know this this study, the Pew study that we're talking about found that 70, uh, about 70% of evangelicals um, were concerned with making sure that their kids became faithful evangelicals as adults, while only about 30% of Catholic parents felt the same way. Um, and if you look at the, the whole study, kind of the big picture of the, what the whole study points to, as well as the larger picture of research in, in faith transmission, what you see is that, um, in general... Uh, evangelicals have, uh, are more attractive to people at the what I'll call relational stage of faith. Okay. Uh, where and and that's where most teenagers and most adults actually are. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the relational stage of faith uh, Fowler called it something different, but but um, it basically means that I know or I believe that something is true to the degree that it facilitates my relationships, mm-hmm. and I believe that it's false to the degree that it complicates my relationships. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, so, you, you, for example, you'll see this a lot with, with politicians who will say, you know, I was for traditional marriage until my cousin came out, and now I'm, I'm for gay marriage, right? Yeah. Because it, it's all about my relationship. Yeah. Um, and, and so, what, what, as Catholics, though, we don't do a great job of connecting our faith to our relationships. Catholics, generally speaking, our, our approach has been to uh, uh, kind of minister to people at the what I would call the story and structure stage of faith development, which is the stage right before the relationship stage mm-hmm. that, that, that focuses on, on rituals, 
um, uh, you know, uh, customs uh, and, 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 and conveying a basic world. M- moral law. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it creates a structure for us and, and a way to see the world and understand things and, and participate in our society, right? Uh, and that's a really important first floor of, of faith development. But then people start to grow out of that into that relational stage, and they're not quite sure how their faith fits into that. Yeah. In fact, they, because of the moral laws, often find that it, it, the faith complicates their relationships. So we find where, where Catholics, you know, in this study, 80% of Catholics want their kids to grow up to be kind and helpful people. Um, they don't see how their faith helps them do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whereas in, in, the, in, in evangelical circles, there is much more of an emphasis on how faith enables us to participate in, in healthy marriage and family lives, uh, to find our place in society, and that sort of thing. Does that come out of the, the evangelical emphasis on uh, have a personal relationship? With Jesus, I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah I do, and, and I and I think it has a lot also to do, sort of historically, when when evangelicalism came into the fore versus Catholicism, yeah, because yeah. you know we're talking about Catholicism reaching largely historically to people who were illiterate, mm-hmm. um, who needed a structure, yeah. who needed that, you know, right, yeah. and that was the that was as far as we could take them, right? sure, sure, yeah. Whereas evangelicalism is a much more contemporary expression of Christianity that that sort of assumes greater personal development. We're speaking sociologically here, not theologically. So, right. That's right. <laughs> I think it's important to recognize that different faith traditions have lots of historical factors. Certainly, the Catholic faith uh, teaches that we should have a personal relationship with Christ. But it, uh, but sociologically, uh, evangelicals have tended to do a better job of that. Um, so, I guess the question would be: There's a big difference between Catholics, self-identified Catholics who attend Mass weekly, and those who Mm -hmm. don't. That's right. So 76% of Catholic parents who attend Mass weekly want their kids to grow up to be Catholic, which, you know, is not a big surprise, but I think how how it makes sense, 76% of Catholic parents who attend Mass weekly, and that's only 17% of Catholics overall, by the way, but of that 17% of Catholics overall, 76% of them want their kids to grow up to be faithful Catholics. So that's roughly in the same place as evangelicals. That's right. That's yeah. right. And my, but so my, my, my take on that, though, is if you're attending Mass weekly, you, you have the idea of relationship. How, how, at least intuitively, how faith relates to our relationship with Christ, with yeah. our relationship yeah. with each other. We start to become more familiar with how the faith uh, touches on marriage and family life as well. You, you start getting that, which then makes you want your, to pass that on to your kids. As opposed to if your experience of faith is just, well, you know, these are meaningful rituals that give me personal comfort, and I want my kids to have that too, but they can do that anywhere as yeah. long as they're nice to people. Yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> right. yeah. No, I, I, know, I know what you mean. Right. Um, well, this is something that um, certainly is important for uh, building family and domestic church. Uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about... Uh, well, yeah, and, uh, how this exactly. plays into the work that you're doing now with Catholic HOM. Catholic yeah, Home. so on the Catholic HOM app, kind of, kind of building on all this, uh, we, we've, we've uh, kind of launched the 40 Days for Families Challenge to really show people in a, in a tangible way how our faith does relate to building strong marriage and family lives through simple things. You know, all, one of the things that is often lost to, to Catholics, kind of popularly speaking, is that all the Lenten practices we engage in, prayer, uh, fasting, and uh, service, and, and almsgiving, um, you know, they're meant not just to p- promote self-discipline, um, but to teach us how to love, 
right? We, we pray because we don't know how to love and we want God to teach us. We, we fast be, so that we can have, we can kind of detach from our healthy or unhealthy relationship with things and realize that those things are meant to serve people and to facilitate our relationship with God and others. We, we serve and are more generous in giving so that we can remember that everything that God gave us is meant to serve our relationships. Lent is really about love. Right. And that, that's what it all points to. But we forget that. And we have a tendency to see Lent more as a project where I'm going to do something to prove to God that I'm really, really sorry and so that I'll finally earn his mercy, which, of yeah. course, is you know, well-intentioned but wrong-headed. Right. Uh, the yeah. Idea, yeah. You know, so, so this 40 Days for Families Challenge at the Catholic Home App is presenting little things that families can do every day to draw closer together, to live Christ's love at home, uh, to connect more deeply and to care for each other uh, in, in a more genuine way. And we're seeing a lot of tremendous benefits from it already, even a weekend. Hmm. Just give me a few ideas uh, from the, uh, what people can do. Uh, sure. I mean, so one example is something that we were talking about today is, is you know, increasing affection. You know, Christ pours himself out, right? He empties himself to become one of us so we can experience his love through our senses. And even mm-hmm. after he ascends to heaven, he gives us a sacrament so we can yeah. experience his love through our senses. Well, parents need to image that love for our kids by being generously affectionate. And so one thing that we're having parents do is, you know, think... What will be a time where, where you don't normally hug your kids? Give them an extra hug and hold them a little bit and think about how uh, conveying God's love through them, through that, through that act of affection. You know, it, we connect those simple gestures of family life that build relationship and, and give them a greater spiritual significance. Yeah. You know, it is funny, the little things like that that are so important. I remember just after I, Sally and I began parenting, I don't remember, I interviewed one fellow counselor, and he said to me, you know, ask me, when you, when you talk to your children, do you get down where you can look them in the eyes? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, um, I uh, probably not. <laughs> right, right. So, so from that time on, I've tried to make it a point to always make eye contact mm-hmm. when we're talking. Well, that's that's another perfect example of of you know making that one to one heart to heart connection. Yep. And, uh, another another example is just asking the question. This is part of our, our forty day family uh, forty day challenge for families. Um, you know, ask every day in the family what's one small thing that each of us could do to be a better team or take better care of each other today. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's if, if yeah. it's. That's that you you when you say that though you're already you're talking about a family that is already comfortable and accustomed to asking those kinds of questions of one another and encouraging exhorting uh, one another. Well, that's the beauty things. of the app, and because on, so premium members on the Catholic Home app, uh, Catholic HOM. Um, are able to take advantage of our whole uh, Catholic home team, we call them, of, of pastoral counselors yeah. and coaches. And so what happens is, you know, we'll encourage families to go do that, and then they then they, they ask questions. They'll say, well, my kid, you know, when I did that, they looked at me like I had three heads, and uh, they said, well, I want more uh, I want more time with my PS5. What do I do? Um, and, and so we were able to coach them through that, and over the course of several interactions, we're, we're helping parents through the app 
get their kids and get their kids uh, on board, uh, get their families coming together around this stuff. You know, any like you know Chesterton famously said, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. <laughs> right. So you know, we we encourage parents to get out there and do all these challenges badly, and then come back and, and get the support that they need to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's really what the app is for, because you know you just read a book or an article or even hear the show, and you say, well, I'm going to go do some of those things, and then it just falls flat, and you feel like, oh gosh, I'm a failure as a Catholic parent. Right. But yeah. on the Catholic Home app, you know. Especially as a premium member, you're getting daily coaching and daily support and personalized advice from a whole team to make it all work. Yeah, yeah. I love that Chesterton quote, by the way. <laughs> That's <laughs> one of my just so true. Uh, many of us have the uh, habit of waiting until we can do something uh, perfectly or so it, it's so well that it draws uh, looks from others, and people would say, "Wow, you really do that well." Well, you never get there if you don't have lots of Rehearsal time, you might say. Practice. Boldly and badly. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a musician, you know what I'm talking about. That's so. right. That's right. Um, well, this is good. I mean, tell me a little bit about uh, what's new with the uh, with the work that you're doing uh, with the um, uh, the Peyton uh, family. Institute for Domestic Church Life. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, really, I mean, it's 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 twofold. I mean, one, you know, we're we're focusing on the the original research piece of it. So we're working with CARA, the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate, on our Future Faithful Families project, which is looking at uh, two generations, right? The the parents and adult children who are faithful adults, and we're looking at at both generations for why they think. Uh, what, what practices they felt were important in passing on the faith from the parents to the adult kids. Um, but then, of course, we're focusing on the popular side of this on the Catholic HOM app, uh, yeah. where you know every day mm-hmm. we're really just trying to, to encourage families to learn how to live this liturgy of domestic church life mm-hmm. and, and really get the support that they need to do it well so that they can encounter Christ more meaningfully at home uh, and live that love in their relationships with each other. And where do they go to get more information? CatholicHOM.com CatholicHOM.com We've also got it uh, on the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. You can see it in the upper left-hand corner. Greg, thanks. Thank you, Al. Love what you're doing. Have a great day. You too. I'm Al Cresta. We are the pro-life generation, passionate about building the culture of life in our health care and in our nation. But not all health care options are equally pro-life, and some provide morally objectionable procedures. CMF Curo is different. CMF Curo is a pro-life Catholic health care ministry providing a pathway for its members to build the culture of life in their health care choices, not destroy it. Learn more about CMF Curo at MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. Strengthen your high schooler's faith in the best week ever. It's Christendom College's summer program in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, where for a week, your high schooler will be immersed in joyful Catholic culture. The best week ever is the most popular, well-attended, and highly ranked program of its kind. And you can get 50% off by using the promo code ALCRESTA when applying. Spots fill up very quickly. So apply today at thebestweekever.com. That's thebestweekever.com. The following is a medical moment. Hi, I'm Bobby Schindler, brother of Terry Schiavo. In 2005, my sister experienced a brain injury, leaving her unable to speak for herself and make her own decisions regarding medical care. Since she had not established a health care agent by creating a health care durable power of attorney, the courts decided to leave the medical decisions to Michael, Terry's husband. Because of this, Michael was able to remove Terry's food and water, dehydrating and starving her to death by court order. 
There are many reasons why someone may need a feeding tube, such as an illness or injury that leaves a patient with difficulty swallowing. Usually feeding tubes are short-term solutions until the patient can swallow on their own. St. Pope John Paul II clarified that food and water by tube is basic care owed to patients and not a medical act. We never know when you or a loved one may be faced with an injury. I urge you to have a conversation with your family and to identify a healthcare agent to make sure your life wishes are known and to take the step of finalizing a healthcare power of attorney and could very well save your lives. This medical moment brought to you by MyLifeAngels.com. I'm Chuck Gatica. February is American Heart Month. Are you running a little late on your New Year's resolution to get healthy? Maybe weight loss is the thing. Maybe you want to eat better. These adjustments require lifestyle change and discipline. In 2 Timothy, St. Paul writes an intensely personal letter encouraging Timothy to be steadfast, disciplined, and understand that he has the spirit of power to endure. You and I have that power from the Holy Spirit, too. Let's unleash it and make changes that bring better health this month and this year. As a wellness coach, I often encourage people to learn how to become mindful of situations or behaviors that put them at risk for heart disease. Find a time to think deeply about what you need to change in your life and what to do to move forward. Give God, your ultimate mentor, time to speak the answers. Get started on your health journey at AveMariaRadio.net. Are you woke or are you awake? Renewal Ministries and Ave Maria Radio invite you to spend an evening with Noelle Maring for her presentation, Awake, Not Woke. Noelle will look at the pseudo-religious as well as the political character of the woke movement. It's Tuesday, March 7th from 7 to 9.30 p.m. at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor. You can register for free in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Again, that's at AveMariaRadio.net. Stocks and bonds are losing and interest rates are on the rise. Protect your savings with a fixed guaranteed rate of 5% with a multi-year guaranteed annuity from an A-rated insurance company. Regular savings as well as retirement funds are eligible for this special rate of 5%. For more info, contact Reno Frazita at 586-262-6400. That's 586-262-6400. Current rate subject to change and penalty for early withdrawal. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. The Holy Spirit, of course, is the great gift uh, that we receive, but there are many gifts, say small g, uh, that we receive too. Uh, we, of course, we in the um, Sacrament of Confirmation, we talk about the seven gifts, the Holy Spirit, the fear of the Lord, piety, knowledge, fortitude, counsel, understanding, and wisdom. And uh, I have to say that in many cases uh, these are forgotten uh, after after confirmation, and uh, in some ways they even take a back seat. If you're in Catholic charismatic circles, uh, they unfortunately take a back seat to the gifts mentioned in First Corinthians uh, chapter twelve through fourteen, and Romans chapter ten. Well, we have a, a wonderful new study of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
and uh, that we associate with confirmation. Dr. Kevin Vost uh, has written it. It's called The Seven Gifts of the Holy Spirit, Every Spiritual Warrior's Guide to God's Invincible Gifts. Kevin is the author of more than a dozen Catholic books, and uh, he's written... um, uh, he's excuse me. He's appeared on hundreds of Catholic radio and television broadcasts. Travels regularly across the United States and Ireland. And it's good to have you back, Kevin. Thanks. It's my pleasure, Al. You, you mentioned the hundreds of broadcasts, and I will point out the first one I ever did was with you. So it's also a great pleasure. Always <laughs> well, a pleasure to be speaking. I'm, with I'm you. very proud that that's the case. Thank you. Mm. Uh, this I, I don't know if this is your experience in, in talking with people, but uh, these uh, seven gifts are often forgotten. Uh, they're talked about during confirmation, uh, but then they're often neglected. And in practical, in practically speaking, do you find that? Uh, yeah, I certainly do. You know, and even in my own case, kind of in a dramatic way, because you know, I was confirmed in my early teens, left the church in my late teens considered an athe- myself an atheist for over 25 mm-hmm. years. Yeah, I remember. Until it was the writings of St. Thomas Aquinas that brought me back uh, to my belief in, Christ, belief in Christ. You know, I was able to rejoin the church, and I just became absorbed in his writings and found that one of the just many things he talked about were these great yes. gifts of the Holy Spirit and just laid them out in such a wonderful way. I had no idea that I had these gifts uh, at the time that I was confirmed. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, he these his writings on this, as you say, are very deep, and you you draw from his writings as well as uh, Saint Bonaventure as well. Uh, where do you like? Where do you suggest that people begin uh, with this topic? Yeah, with the topic it, it itself, you know, uh, I lay out there. If you go to Thomas himself, his Summa Theologica. He has articles in there where he talks about the, the seven gifts just in general. You know, what are they? How are they different from things like virtues? Mm-hmm. And then later in there, in special sections, he goes through one by one in great depth each one of the gifts. So, so in my book, in the first chapter there, mm. I give kind of a master table yep. so people know exactly where to go. In the Summa. Mention, so, yeah. In the yeah. Summa Theologica, mm-hmm. yes. And then St. Bonaventure, you mentioned, the great Franciscan who was... Thomas's uh, contemporary. He also gave a series of Latin sermons on each one of the gifts, and it's in book form in what are called his collations on the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those are also a very wonderful resource to, to dig in to these gifts and really to see the way both he and Thomas mined the scriptures to really bring these gifts to life. Why are these gifts important? Well, one, one the reason they're important that they're aids that God has given us to, to attain heaven with him. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're actually given to us, you know, at the time of baptism, when God grace, God's graces flow into our soul. The, these gifts are there. We mentioned confirmation. That's when they're all strengthened. Right. So they're there for us, flowing through those theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. So again, you know, there are special gifts that God gives us to help attain our goal and become become saints and become spend eternity with Him. Um, what does it mean to surrender uh, so that these gifts can be received. Yes, there too. And again, like a difference between the, the virtues and the gifts. Uh, natural virtues build upon our God-given natural powers. So yes. we need to, like, you know, to learn how to be temperate, to control our our desires for things, or to be brave and have fortitude. But these gifts, they are specially given to us from the Holy Spirit, and they make us uh, amenable not only to our the best of our human reason but to the stirrings of the Holy Spirit himself. So, so we need to submit in that these are not something that, that we earn, that we, we can't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and, and grab these to us. 
to to surrender to him, to submit to it, to be docile, to be open to his teachings. And the first step is just you know simply maybe learning about yeah, these gifts, having to speak right. and appreciate them. Sure. Well, let's do that. Let's begin with fear of the Lord. Uh, Let's, uh, this is often, uh, this concept of the fear of the Lord is mocked by people who don't understand the Christian tradition. Uh, what do we mean when we say fear of the Lord? And that's right. I've heard that mocking, you know, from secularists. Well, what kind of God would want us to fear him? Right. Uh, but we need to see exactly what we're talking about with the different kinds of fear. Uh, and St. Thomas and St. Bonaventure, and, and they're pulling from the scriptures, they talk about a fear of the Lord that's called a servant or servile fear. This is kind of like the, the lowest form of the fear of the Lord, where we're fearing uh, punishment. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we realize, you know, the, the, the reality of sin, that we're in sin. We don't want to be punished. We don't want to, you know, suffer in hell. We don't want to maybe have even the worldly problems that come to us and our loved ones when we sin. So this is kind of a fear of the Lord. The servile fear is when we, we don't want to have that punishment, so we're going to try to reject sin. Mm-hmm. But we know from Scripture that, you know, perfect love casts out fear. Right. And the true fear of the Lord that's this gift of the Holy Spirit is what's called a filial fear. And this is a loving fear, not where we're fearing, uh, dreading sin so much because of our punishment, as much as we love God so much we don't want to let him down. Hmm. So it's the kind of fear, you know, that we might have for our parents or for our loved spouse. You know, we don't want to sin because we don't want to offend them. We don't want to let them down. So this is the, the true, you know, fear of the Lord that we're going to try to open ourselves up to, to love so God so much. We don't want to even think about sin because we know it would offend uh, God. So this this has, I guess this is dependent upon a, a sense of his holiness. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's where we have the sense that, that God is, you know, awesome. Uh, and holy, mm-hmm. he's not just a, you know the judge who's going to mete out punishment, but he's also the source of all love. You know, he wants us to to ask for his forgiveness when we do sin. He's always ever merciful. So it really is. We can look at all these gifts as kind of like rungs up a ladder towards God, and even this very first one, the fear of the Lord, is in itself you know very majestic and, and opens our hearts to realizing just how awesome and loving God is. Yeah, and again, fear of the Lord is not incompatible with the concept of God's mercy. And I, I think we, we have to trust the, the tradition here uh, and just spend some time thinking through these things and, and studying. And of course, that's one of the good reasons to pick up this book, uh, The Seven Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, what is the relationship between fear of the Lord and mercy? Yeah, fear of the Lord and mercy there, too. Um, you know, we can have like an inappropriate type of fear of the Lord if we become, for example, uh, scrupulous. Mm-hmm. You know, we think we have to do everything, you know, just right, and we're not going to give that forgiveness. It's almost like we're, we're ignoring God's mercy. We're focusing too much on this concept of justice. One of my favorite examples of God's mercy comes from St. Catherine of uh, Siena. And when God had spoken to her and, and what uh, were written down as her dialogues, at one point he tells her about Judas, and he said, you know what, the saddest thing about Judas was not that he betrayed, betrayed Christ, but he did not think that God would forgive him after he had done that. You know, so so yeah. that despair, yeah. that God's mercy would be there even for Christ's betrayer. So it's, it's certainly there for us. Yes, yes. Yes, that that is uh, a big difference. Uh, it's often pointed out between uh, Judas's destiny and, and uh, St. Peter's, um, the capacity... Uh, the difference between remorse and repentance, the capacity to receive forgiveness and mercy. Uh, let's move to the second one here, because piety is a word that we don't really use much anymore, and it has this you know, kind of a saccharine 
quality, a little, even a little bit phony sound to it. What, what do we mean when we say piety? Yeah, and that is true. You know, we have this kind of this slurred idea that the pious person maybe is just focused on these you know, particular devotions, maybe missing the big picture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it really comes from words that, that relate to uh, a sense of a special respect for one's uh, father or fatherland. Uh, in the Latin word, you know, patria for father has yes. relations to, to the term uh, piety. So particularly as a, as a gift of the Holy Spirit, piety is a special recognition of God, you know, not only as our creator, as our judge, but as our loving Father. So it is a special love for God as our Father, which then flows out to our, to our neighbors as our brothers and sisters in Christ. Hmm. So it's a really kind of like a second step up that ladder where now we're not really, not only awed by God, we're awed by His, His love and the fact that He has taught us to think of Him as our Father, which He is. Hmm. Now, some would argue that piety is not a gift of the Holy Spirit, but merely a virtue. Why do they do that? Okay, yes, and there, you know, and throughout the history of the, the Church, you know, as we've been understanding all these wonderful kinds of gifts that God gives us, whether it's the virtues or, or these gifts of the Holy Spirit or the, the special charisms you talked about in First uh, uh, Corinthians twelve. Uh, but just the, the particular difference here, though, there is a virtue of piety, whereby our, our using our human reason, you know, we, we honor. Uh, our parents, we honor our yeah. country, we try to honor God. And this is even but known. This is even known in the the, the moralistic philosophers uh, of Rome and Greece. That's right. So it, it's building upon that. There's that good natural basis there. But what's unique about the gift of piety and all of these gifts is that they are guided not only by our human reason, as the Greeks and Romans were, but again by the stirrings of the Holy Spirit Himself. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite analogies is that. The virtues are like oars that we use on our boat. You know, we're going to try to row in the right direction mm-hmm. towards God. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit are like the winds beneath our sails. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so we kind of open up those I sails like and let the Holy Spirit move us. Yeah, yeah. that's a very nice illustration. Um, you mentioned uh, St. Bonaventure has, uh, gives us three ways that uh, piety can be exercised. Uh, reverence of divine worship, uh, guarding of interior holiness, and abundance of internal compassion. Could you just unfold that a bit? Sure, sure. And this is a, a wonderful thing there that St. Bonaventure uh, has written again on, on each one of these uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit and kind of just really opens them up. So the first there, that uh, the way piety is exercised, he says, you know, there's reverence of uh, divine worship. And he gives biblical examples from Sirach and others that where. So one of the first effects of piety is that it's going to affect the way we worship God. We're going to remember Him as a Father. We're going to try to honor Him by, by you know, worshiping in the right way. Uh, second, the guarding of interior holiness. Uh, and this says, you know, piety will, uh, you know, further lead us away from sin, lead us towards uh, true Christian living. It will also, you know, affect uh, cleansing of our conscience. Mm-hmm. And also the... Inter- uh, yes, go ahead, Al. Yeah, and the abundance of internal compassion? Yeah, for the abundance of internal compassion, our piety, our love for God, is going to reach out to our neighbors and flow out uh, to others around us. Mm-hmm. Hold it there, Kevin. We'll come back and continue the conversation on the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, every spiritual warrior's guide to God's invincible gifts. Dr. Kevin Bost, my guest. You are invited as Bishop Earl Boyer presides over the 25th Annual Rose Mass for Healthcare Workers, Saturday, March 18th at 4.30 at Christ the King in Ann Arbor. 
Afterwards, there will be a dinner and discussion on the relationship between Catholic medicine, the media, and the impact on patients. Featuring Ave Maria Radio's Al Cresta and Father Peter Ryan. This takes place at Fox Hills Country Club near Plymouth. Go to cmalansing at gmail.com to purchase tickets. That's cmalansing at gmail.com. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. And now, a Meditation Minute from Father Gabriel Richard High School. I'm Joey, a senior, with a meditation on the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 31 through 37. In this Gospel passage, Jesus casts out an unclean spirit from a man in the synagogue. Those who were in the synagogue were amazed by his authority and power. I think we sometimes forget how much Jesus is capable of. He is the omnipotent Son of God, second person of the Trinity. He defied death and saved us from our sin. This gospel is a reminder for us that Jesus can do anything. All we have to do is ask. Remember, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. I challenge you to think about one thing you need Jesus' help with today and ask for his strength. This Meditation Minute is brought to you by the students, faculty, and staff of Father Gabriel Richard High School. Visit fgrhs.org. It's time for Family Man with Dr. Gregory Popcha. St. Gregory of Nazianzus once said, He who does acts of mercy should do so with cheerfulness. The grace of a good deed is doubled when it's done with promptness and speed. The best way most of us can learn this approach to Christian service is in our family lives. That's why prompt, generous, consistent, and cheerful attention to each other's needs is such an important part of the liturgy of domestic church life. Every day, ask each other this life-changing question. What's one small thing each of us can do to make each other's lives a little easier or more pleasant? Then, remember to do those things as a way of letting God's love shine out through you in your family. To discover more ways your family can celebrate the liturgy of domestic church life, check out the newest editions of Parenting with Grace and visit CatholicCounselors.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, but you can call me Family Man. To discover more ways faith can enrich your life, Visit CatholicCounselors.com. Are you woke or are you awake? Renewal Ministries and Ave Maria Radio invite you to spend an evening with Noelle Maring for her presentation, Awake, Not Woke. Noelle will look at the pseudo-religious as well as the political character of the woke movement. It's Tuesday, March 7th from 7 to 9.30 p.m. at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor. You can register for free in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Again, that's at AveMariaRadio.net. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com.
Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Dr. Kevin Vost. He's uh, given us a wonderful offering called The Seven Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Every spiritual warrior is guide to God's invincible gifts. And again, uh, these are given to us uh, in baptism, uh, but we tend to talk about them in relationship to the, in our catechetical, uh, I've noticed in, cat- in our catechesis, we tend to talk about them, especially in relationship to the gifts of, uh, to the uh, sacrament of confirmation. And these gifts are the fear of the Lord, piety, knowledge, fortitude, counsel, understanding, and wisdom. And we're taking a look at them uh, one at a time. We Last uh, segment we talked about fear of the Lord. We talked about piety. Now, what is meant by knowledge? That's one of those words that seems to cover so much ground. Uh, I wonder, how do, how do we uh, define knowledge in terms of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Yes, and, and we also have uh, related gifts we could possibly talk about later, understanding and wisdom. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're all, in a sense, they all bear some kind of a relationship to knowledge. Uh, but this gift of knowledge, uh, in particular, kind of has two aspects. Well, uh, the word for knowledge in Latin, scare, comes, uh, we derive a word science from it. Mm-hmm. So the word or the virtue of knowledge is also called the virtue of science at times. So we know that science, through science we understand, we learn about the world. And through this gift of knowledge, it also gives us a greater understanding of the things in the world. But but we see the things of the world not as beings in their own, just by themselves, but but as creatures. Mm-hmm. So it helps yes. us see how created things reflect the glory of God. So there's that one aspect of this knowledge when we look out into the world and see how it reflects God. And the second aspect is the knowledge that comes from from the articles of our faith. So as Christians, you know, we're called to, to learn the articles of our faith, to try to have a, a deeper relationship with them, and this gift of knowledge also helps us get a firmer, a deeper understanding. So we can, we can say that uh, the articles of faith are a matter of knowledge. That's right. As we, as, well, yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're, they go beyond reason because they're revealed right. to us. But as we, as we ourselves understand them and conceptualize them, they are, you know, held in the form of our mm-hmm. human knowledge. Yep. Yeah, you know, I think I, sometimes people try to drive a wedge uh, uh, between knowledge and reason at this point, and uh, I think that's a, again, it's it's a it's a false trail. Um, and you write here that Pope Saint John Paul II explained in his encyclical on faith and reason that some Christians adhere to a kind of fideism, a belief that faith alone is all we need to guide us to truth, without due regard for reason and knowledge. So. It, it, those who maintain that, do they see no role for right reason in uh, our salvation? Uh, there are some. You know, if we would take the extreme extreme folks that might be, you know, like like the Bible alone in the, in the extreme, mm-hmm. that we're just, just going to go based on what's revealed to us, but not realizing the, the importance of also using our God-given reason to reach a deeper level of understanding. And also I see, you know, one problem with this approach is, if we're going to, especially in our day, if we're going to reach out to people who have, who have lost the faith yeah. and, and won't start there, well, as Catholic Christians, we know, you know, we recognize truth wherever it comes from. Yes. And even that natural truth can be the starting ground to draw people in to the, to the higher truth. So, so it's often portrayed today as, as if faith and reason are utterly opposed. But in our Catholic view, we know that faith just takes us not contrary to reason, but beyond it, mm-hmm. and, and interestingly, as St. Thomas tells us, this particular gift of knowledge flows from the theological virtue of faith. 
So we're given this faith, and it, and it can lead us through the Holy Spirit to even ever deeper levels of knowledge. Yes, yes. Well, while we're at it, uh, let's let's talk about understanding and wisdom here, uh, since they are related to knowledge. And uh, how are they distinguished? Sure. One thing, you know, St. Thomas calls uh, understanding a special kind of knowledge that penetrates to the heart of things. Hmm. Now, knowledge can be like based on our senses, you know, things that we learn, we look out and we, we see things, we, we observe cause and effect relationships, uh, but, you know, but it can be more to the sensual, uh, uh, sensual level based on the information from our senses, mm-hmm. where understanding really gets to the core of what it is to be a human being. When we understand, we do something that no other species on earth can do, regardless of the fact that they have eyes and ears and, and senses like we do. Uh, it's related to the word intelligence. And Thomas tells us that comes from two Italian words, intus for inside, and legere to, to read. Mm-hmm. So through this gift of understanding, we're able to, to read things, to see things deep down, like to think at the level of concepts, to understand what things are, that then opens us up to the ability to, to talk to each other, to build things and create things. So understanding is one of the fundamental defining characteristics of what it is to be a human being. And the gift of understanding you know, makes our human capacity more open to the, that, the unfailing understanding of the Holy Spirit. Did the Blessed Mother exhibit this virtue uh, when we in the Gospel of Luke when we're told that she kept all these things, uh, again, from the Annunciation and then after the uh, birth of Jesus, she kept all these things, pondering them in her heart? Yes, yes. I came across a wonderful book from the 1800s by a priest who talked about how Mary embodies all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Huh. And yes, he, yeah, he pulls out these nuggets here that uh, at the birth of Christ, uh, while the inhabitants wondered at what the shepherds told them, he said, yes, Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. When they found uh, Christ at the temple, yes, said, too, his mother kept all these things in her heart. Yeah. So she would not be understand until she could ponder more deeply and understand more fully. She wouldn't be satisfied. Yes, yeah, so, uh, so again, the understanding, dri- would you say it, it drives down deeper than knowledge? Yes, that's why it's like, it's like a deeper form of knowledge, and at times it can even help us understand the limits of our knowledge, when we sometimes might get a sense of the, that awesomeness of God, that, wow, you know, He yes. is there, He's always with us, but we will never fully grasp His essence while we're here on, on earth. Okay. Uh, now, wisdom, uh, how is this distinguished from knowledge and understanding in, this, uh, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Sure, and wisdom is considered you know, the highest of the gifts. It's the first one mentioned in Isaiah 11, uh, 2-3, coming down from God. And, and wisdom uh, is kind of like the overarching gift that, that ties them all together. And one way to distinguish it for, from knowledge. Knowledge starts like uh, from the earth and works the way up to God, whereas wisdom starts with the divine things of God. And a beautiful example I've heard is from, if you look at the Gospel of St. Matthew, he starts with Christ's human genealogy starting with, you know, the things of the earth, and then brings us up to Christ's divinity. Mm-hmm. Whereas, so there's the gift of knowledge, you know. Whereas the Gospel of St. John, you know, we start at the beginning, and the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. Yes. So here we're starting with divinity, and then showing how uh, the, the divine became incarnate in Christ and walked upon the earth. So kind of like the two approaches, the Matthew approach is of the gift of knowledge, starting from the earth and working towards heaven, and the gift of wisdom is like that highest divine wisdom, and once we embrace it, it will also change the way we look at everything on the earth. So this does take us as well beyond reason. Yes, exactly. As a gift, again, as a gift of the Holy Spirit, yeah. it's coming from the Holy Spirit. And also, St. Thomas is the, the word itself, the sapientia in Latin. 
comes from words meaning, well, science again, like knowledge. But that first word, sapida, means something like we would savor or taste. So this wisdom from the Holy Spirit is not just something dry and intellectual. I mean, it's something we actually savor and enjoy it. There's a special kind of joy that comes with this wisdom that is a gift. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, you mentioned, too, uh, Bonaventure has seven pillars of wisdom, which I was unaware of here. Uh, chastity, innocence of mind, uh, moderation in speech, docility and affect, uh, generosity in action, maturity of judgment, uh, sincerity of me- of intention. Uh, I mean, this. How are these? Why are these related to wisdom? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's a very interesting uh, little uh, explanation here by Saint Bonaventure because one, he just starts using some biblical analogies where their wisdom is compared to a house. Yeah. For example, Proverbs twenty four three to five says, "By wisdom a house is right. built; by understanding it's established; and mm-hmm. by knowledge its rooms are filled with pleasant, uh, precious, and pleasant riches." And also Proverbs nine one, "Wisdom has built her house; she has set up her seven pillars." So then Bonaventure asks, "Well, what are these seven pillars?" And even asks, "I think it's kind of humorous." He says, "Should I just make these up out of my own head?" <laughs> <laughs> but he says, "No, they're there in Scripture." So what he's doing with those seven pillars, he's pulling from uh, James three seventeen where it says, but the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, without uncertainty or insincerity. So there is one example of how Bonaventure pulls a scriptural verse, and then he goes on to elaborate on each one of those characteristics as a pillar of wisdom. <laughs> That's fascinating. That is fascinating. Um I want to come back to this question of sincerity then, since that's the seventh of these uh, pillars of, of wisdom. And uh, sincerity of intention, uh, there's a lot today in our society, there, there's the notion that uh, every, as long as a person is sincere, uh, he's all right. Um, as long as he means well and he's earnest and sincere, then regardless his truth claims about God, uh, well, that's fine. Uh, that's certainly not the biblical position. It's not the position of the church. Uh, so what I'd like you to do is just talk about when we discuss sincerity of intention, what do we mean? Yes, and here, you know, thankfully, you know, St. Bonaventure really uh, fleshes this out. When he's talking about the in- sincerity of in- intention, it's not, you know, being sincere in whatever intention we happen to have. Uh, he, cite, he says his pillars revealed in Colossians 3, 2 to 3. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So to be sincere then with our intention, we are going to be focusing on those things of God. We're not going to pronounce our judgment on what we think is moral or immoral unless we've been docile to, to, to learn those things from the church. Mm-hmm. So, so by seeking this, uh, accepting the gift of wisdom and the sincerity that goes with it, it implies all the gifts that come before it. We're going to fear God. We're going to reject sin, you know, as defined by God, as clarified through our church. So, yes, yeah, not just a matter of you know, being true to your conscience. It's being true to your conscience when you have faithfully tried to form that form conscience. Form that conscience, yeah. Very good. Uh, let's talk about fortitude, one of the seven uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, how is this related to our common understanding of courage? Sure, it's very related. It builds on that natural virtue of of courage or fortitude. The word fortitude comes from a word meaning strengthen. Mm. So this has also been called the defender of the virtues. It defends our other gifts. It's what we use to bear up to persecution. 
So, um, and the, the gift of the Holy Spirit then, uh, natural fortitude might fail. You know, we might yes. try to spread the faith and be persecuted and even killed. Sure. But the gift of fortitude, in the sense that it never fails, because the highest of all uh, aims is attainment um, of joy with God in heaven. And through the Holy Spirit's gift of fortitude, even if we're martyred, we are going to achieve that goal. So in this sense, it's like an, an invincible gift, that special strength that God gives the martyrs through fortitude. But he also gives it to, to each one of us, you know, to use in the daily situations in our life that, that hopefully will fall far, you know, far short of martyrdom. Kevin, thank you once again. We didn't get to counsel, uh, but that's uh, okay. We'll do that on another occasion. Thanks for your work. And uh, where can people get the book? Okay, it's from Sophia Institute Press. You could go to your local Catholic bookstores or online sources. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Oh, you must listen. Support for this Ave Maria program comes in part by the not-for-profit St. Anthony Services. Shopping for insurance, mortgage products, Catholic health coverage, identity protection, or financial planning? SaintAnthonyServices.org can help you find a Catholic professional for all those and more. They regularly connect faithful citizens with faith-based professionals that share our Christian values. STAnthonyServices.org or 877-LIFE-US-1. Food for the Journey, Sister Anne Shield. You know, we would avoid a lot of difficult arguments just spouting off at the mouth, as we sometimes say. Just ask the Lord, give me the words to say. Maybe I'm rightfully angry, but if I just shout and yell and scream, what good is that going to be? Brothers and sisters, God can give us much more control over our anger, over our fear, over our language. And so whenever you're in a tight spot, just stop for a moment and say, Lord, what would you have me do here? God is good. I don't mean he's going to say words that will come down from heaven. But if you pause just for a moment, you'll get hold of yourself and you may well get a thought that you didn't have before. And sometimes it's just quiet, but it's enough to bring down the steam. And then you think what is really right to say here. You might be justifiably angry. How do we respect the other person while we're correcting them? Please, brothers and sisters, let us open our hearts to God in those moments. Sister Ann Shields gives you food for the journey weekday mornings at 645 and again at 1130 on 990 Ave Maria Radio. And good afternoon. Thank you for being with me again, uh, Kevin. Uh, Vosts, Gifts of the Spirit, A Guide to God's Invincible Gifts. That's available in the online bookstore at AveMariaRadio.net. Again, that's AveMariaRadio.net. I think his point that uh, we often block the reception of these gifts of the Holy Spirit through our own faults, and we fail to see how uh, they're passed on. Uh, we fail to see how they can be strengthened through the sacraments, and and we don't ask God uh, to bestow those gifts on us. So, Kevin, I think, raises uh, 
an important point for all of us. And let me remind you, too, the work of uh, Greg Popcheck at the Pastoral Solutions Institute. You can follow up on my conversation with Greg by going to AveMariaRadio.net. To remember, to go to the Crested Guest Archives, you can not only uh, listen to the podcast, but you can also follow up on the parallel information that we have available for each of these uh, conversations that we have. Again, that's AveMariaRadio.net. Dot net, reminding you once again that uh, a great conversation coming up on Tuesday, March 7th, in the evening, 7.30 to 9 o'clock Eastern Time. This is in uh, uh, Michigan, southeast Michigan, northern Ohio. It's going to be at Father Gabriel Richard High School. It's Noelle Meering, who's done this great series called Theology of Home. She's also right now focusing on progressive ideology and its uh, infiltration of the church. It's Awake, Not Woke, a Christian response to the cult of progressive ideology. Coming up Tuesday, March 7th, go to RenewalMinistries.net for more information. Cresta in the Afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. To follow up on any of the guests or information presented on today's program, visit the Cresta Guest Archive at AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-B-E-M-A-R-I-A, radio.net. To listen to this or any other edition of Cresta in the Afternoon, visit the audio archives at AveMariaRadio.net. Or to order a CD of the program, call 734-930-4506 or email orders at AveMariaRadio.net. That's 734-930-4506 or orders at AveMariaRadio.net.